then you should listen to Libra Crystal War Calling. Welcome to Wednesday War College. Uh, hey, thanks to the St. Michael's Shield for those uh, promos, those intros. <laughs> they crack, crack me up. Hey, good morning, Kyle. Glad to have you back on, my friend. Hey, good to be here, Jesse. You're right. Those intros are classic. <laughs> and, uh, you know, there's there's a small amount of truth to them. <laughs> yeah. No, it's it's good to bring a little bit of levity into the into a serious topics like this. Because we talk about high-level spiritual warfare, so it's good to be able to laugh, uh, you know, and it's it's good to be able to smile. <laughs> you betcha. Hey, uh, Kyle, I, I was very surprised... I've seen there's Disney's releasing a movie. It's called Little Demon. And it's I mean, there's no doubt here the way you could see the way the devil is going after our children. I mean, through 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 a Disney movie, this movie Little Demon, uh, I I I think it's it's a it's a pair. It's it's basically Rosemary's Baby, but in cartoon form. This is about an antichrist child of satan uh, uh, my my question is my head is still spinning here kyle uh when i when i was a kid uh, disneyland was completely different in terms of the things that they were putting out compared to what's happening now and you've, you're always saying something that it make it, it makes sense to me now you're always saying uh, to me just the demons militate to absurdity is that what we're seeing here in the in the movie industry? It's specifically Disney, Walt Disney. Yeah, it's absolutely militating to uh, absurdity. And and the thing about it is, is Walt Disney uh, and Disney Company does not come from a um, a pure background. So this is not the corruption uh, of a pure company. This is the natural trajectory uh, of a malicious company to start with. Disney's have been on the forefront. Uh, they've done some things that seem to be good, but they've always been on the forefront of things which were right on the edge of society. Um, they pioneered shows that showed us single mothers, single fathers, divorce. They showed us uh, inappropriate relationships, talking animals. Let's go to mm. Scripture. There's only two instances of talking animals in all of Scripture, one of the greatest tomes ever written, the greatest story ever told. There are only two talking animals. One is the serpent in the garden, and the other is Balaam's ass. So this is not a normal thing. Um, and so it, to see it for what it is, it goes all the way back. Wow. Yeah, de- uh, without a doubt, uh, you could see the way they're, they're, they're using psychological operation through the media. But... But what they've done now, now it's quite obvious where I think years ago, maybe a couple of decades ago, it was a lot more hidden. It was a lot more subliminal. It was a lot more. It wasn't as easy to detect. I mean, but a a movie like this, Little Demon, uh, you know, about about an Antichrist child of Satan. uh, I mean, uh, the genie's out of the bottle at this point. And uh, I, I don't know if there's any way unless unless. It would take our bishops, Kyle, it would take our, our bishops to become, to have apostolic zeal, you know, zeal for my father's house consumes me. It would take our bishops, our, our bishops have the spiritual authority and power 
to marshal, you know, the church militant and the church's sacramental power to turn this around. But I don't see that happening because once again, I, I just see the Akita, the Akita Japan prophecies right now being lived out in our very, in this very present moment where you have bishops contradicting other bishops, cardinals contradicting other cardinals, priests contradicting other priests. So right now, uh, our shepherds are not even united right now to be able to, to, to mount an offense against something demonic like this movie coming out, correct? Well, you're absolutely right. And I, I, I think that we also do well to look at um, what you're asking is, is what we're all asking for. But there's no historical precedent for the episcopacy to be the driving force between, behind societal reform. Um, okay. you, you can't seem, you can't name that instance anywhere, anytime. Wow. <laughs> so, so basically, uh, uh, as uh, Fulton Sheen said in 1972, he said, Who, who's going to save the church? Not our religious, not our bishops, not our priests. It's up to you, the laity. He says, lay people need to. It is always. Yeah. Yeah. It's always been. You're exactly right. Jesse. It, it's always been the laity. And it's time for us to step up. You know, I think that, um, you know, I was listening to, to you and Dan, last uh, your show last week. You made two really, really good points um, in that you look at what's happening around the world. It's it's really the same old shoot 'em up It is the, the pell-mell rush toward one world government. It is um, the degradation of the church. The church is under open attack. We have a built-in BS meter. Listen to it. We, we know when stuff stinks. We know when stuff is unclean. Evil militates to absurdity, and we have to point out the absurd. We have to be the captain obvious that, no, this is not right. It's not consistent with faith. It's not consistent with tradition. It's not consistent with um, Catholicism or Christianity, for that matter, in any form. And so we have to, to speak to it, and we have to to openly say, my family, as head of our domestic churches, this falls on us men. My family will not participate. There will be no Disney vacation. There will be no Disney products. There will be no, this is precisely what we have to do. Yeah. The other thing you guys did in that show last week, and something that we absolutely have to do, is we have to call people by name. We have to focus the light of truth on them. When you're talking about the school board guy who says, well, the Church of Satan would sue us, great, let them sue. We are so afraid of lawsuits. We're so afraid of death. We're so afraid of all of these things that we cower and, and we give up our faith. When you say that the, the, the Church of Satan has equal opportunity to rent a space, no, they don't. I mean, this is the the homosexuals, the the um, Baker's case on the on the uh, the, the wedding cake, et cetera, et cetera. Yeah. We've got to start shutting this stuff down, and it's up to us as men. And you your quote last week about the lukewarm. You're exactly right. It is the lukewarm, timid, cowardice Catholic, and we've got something happening modernly that we really need to, to focus on. And we as men have to make other men good, not by pointing them Amen. out. In, they've got to be called into account, but offer them support. Say, look, we're standing here behind you. We're, we're standing here with you. 
but our educational system, all of these systems are imploding, and rightly so. You're not going to stop it. What we have to do is preserve our families, preserve our faith, and encourage each other to do what is right as Catholic men. Amen. Kyle, I want to get your opinion also. uh, 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 Unelected President Joe Biden gave a speech last week, a few days ago. He had, to me, it was the most eerie, demonic, satanic background I've ever seen in my life. It was red and black. He had two Marines standing standing behind him. And he basically spent uh, his time threatening the country. He's waving his hands like, I mean, like Hitler. That's, that's what Hitler used to do. Um, my question to you, do you think it was kind of a coincidence that they picked that background for Joe Biden's speech where he attacked half of the country? Uh, I mean, that was a... And, and, and I'll tell you why I know that was a satanic background. There's a temple of Satan in, in, in downtown Los Angeles. I, I've been there right to the door, po- right to the, the the threshold. So you can look inside, inside the temple of Satan in Los Angeles. Uh, that background is exactly the background that Joe Biden had for his speech. Uh, you think that was a, uh, uh, you think that was a coincidence that he picked, that they, they picked that background? Oh, there are no coincidences. There are no coincidences whatsoever. Um, that, I think it's a very poignant observation. So let's look at the other times that light is used on federal institutions. Do you remember when the uh, White House was uh, occupied by another illicit president and it was bathed in the rainbow colors? Mm. Mm. Oh, yeah. Remember that? Right. Yeah, yeah. How quickly we forget that, you know, this this is the way they do things. And so this is sensory um the demon traffics in the senses and so yeah these things are are, are designed to evoke imagery uh, even subconscious imagery subliminal imagery um what you were looking at was uh, a preview of america with a k that's what you were looking at wow you're listening to to your uh, <laughs> I'm just I'm just so blown away right now, Kyle. Yeah, by what you just said right now. This is uh, we. I, I I'm, I'm speechless. I'm speechless because what you just said right now. This is a preview of America right now, and that this pains me so much because I love this country. I know all of us love this country, and I'm just saying to myself, what is it going to take to turn this ship around? Oh gosh, well not, you're not going to not you're not going to turn it around, Jesse. Not in not in this lifetime. I think it's going to take. I think it's going to take the second coming of Christ, or it's going to take uh, uh, the great uh, triumph of the Blessed Virgin Mary, which has to happen before the second coming of Christ. That's the only thing that's going to take this turn the ship around. You bet. You yeah. bet. Okay. We'll be right back. Don't change that dial. We're going to talk more about Father Ripperger's book, Deliverance Prayers for the Lady. A lot of you people want to know the theology of those prayers. Wednesday War College. Kyle Clement, Jess Romero. Uh, Dan Schneider says we're the A team, and uh, 
And, uh, yep, Kyle's a team leader, no doubt about that. Me and, Ta- me and uh, Dan, we're just the grunts. By the way, Wednesday War College, we bring to you high-level spiritual warfare. Uh, Kyle, one of the things I want to ask you about, uh, just to give, the, give us all just a dosage of hope, this is the month, the month of September is devoted to Our Lady of Sorrows. Give us a little bit of the theology of Our Lady of Sorrows. In other words, uh, I know there's a tradition that w- when you do a novena to Our Lady of Sorrows, that uh, she'll, if you ask her, she'll reveal any sins or and vices or generational spirits that may be plaguing a person or the family line. Can you tell us about the power of this devotion, Our Lady of Sorrows? Yeah, thanks for the opportunity, Jesse. Uh, the order that Father found, Father Ripperger founded, is the uh, Societas Matris Dolorai Sisame, or in English, Our Lady, um, the Most Sorrowful Mother. Um, and so, the society, the Most Sorrowful Mother, she is um, she is such a magnificent uh, creature. She is a warrior queen. She is a virgin warrior queen. And she is non-exemplar. Um, uh, she's non-exampled. And what, what I mean by that is she is, uh, no, no one went before her. She didn't model her life on anyone. Um, she gave herself to God. She's a favored daughter. She's a spouse. She's a mother to the Trinity. Um, and one of the interesting things about uh, the seven dolars or the seven sorrows of the Blessed Mother, we see in the seven dolars um, how God's plan is revealed to her through others. So this is something we don't often think about is God's plan is revealed to her through the events as it unfolds. He doesn't say, okay, this is the way it's all going to happen. She doesn't have a roadmap. She doesn't have foreknowledge. She has perfected trust. And so the first sorrow is Simeon's declaration that a sword will pierce your heart. Um, and there's, there's seven swords or seven sorrows. Hmm. So when you see the Blessed Mother depicted with the seven swords piercing her, her immaculate heart, there is no pain. Hmm. And so let me clarify that. The reason there is no pain is St. Thomas tells us that pain is born of uh, resistance and offense. Oh. Because, there, because there is no resistance, there is no pain. Now she's suffering. That's she's deep. sorrowful. She's suffering. She's sorrowful. But suffering is pain with purpose, and sorrow is perfected suffering. So there's a reflection uh, called the three figures at the foot of the cross. You can find it uh, if you go to montecristo.net and then you click on media. You can go to a YouTube channel and listen to that recording about the three figures at the foot of the cross. But the premise is that Mary Magdalene is in pain because she's concerned about how the crucifixion and death of our Lord will affect her. St. John is the epitome of suffering. Because he's joining his experience to Christ. He's realizing that he's fulfilling his will, what he said he would do. And the Blessed Mother is the epitome of sorrow because she sees God the Father in the Passion. She sees that God, no less than she, are, they're giving their only Son for our salvation. This is 
the understanding of God's justice is sorrow and the willingness to, in, to embrace that cross. Um, and so the, Our Lady of Seven Sorrows, these are seven moments in her life, the dolars, the seven points that are most um, powerful, if you will, in how she is living out her fiat. She's living out uh, her, uh, yes, her commitment mm. to God mm. uh, to, to be an instrument in salvation. And so there's the, that's the power of the seven sorrows. Uh, yes, it's a wonderful, wonderful devotion. It's, uh, it's something that I would encourage people to become familiar with. Good stuff. Boy, oh boy, you want to listen to that uh, the, the last five minutes over and over again. And that get that burn into your soul all of you uh lovers of of our lady out there that are listening to the show which i know everybody listening to the show loves our lady uh that's some good deep theology there Kyle he, somebody send a a pretty a pretty powerful email to you and to father ripperger i want to read it because uh, you deserve credit for this as well it says it says uh this is from monsignor stephen rossetti it says, Dear Father Chad and Kyle, many thanks to Father Chad for his excellent book, Diabolic Influence. We've bought several copies, and I think it should be mandatory reading for any exorcist. We have included a Liber Crystal link in our website, and of course a link to Auxilium Christianorum, which we recommend often to our folks, plus a link to Dominion so they can purchase it. If there's anything else uh, you'd like us to include on our website, Please do not hesitate to ask. We continue to pray for your important ministry, and I offered Mass today for you and all you do. Many thanks and blessings. Peace in our Lord. May Our Lady of Sorrows protect you always, Monsignor Stephen Rossetti. That's a pretty powerful uh, uh, endorsement there, and I say this because, again, he's got he's got a big footprint on uh, in the Internet world, in the world of spiritual warfare, and he recognizes the weight of, of those two books, Dominion and Diabolic Influence, and he gives you and Father Ripper your credit. So I just want to put that out there, Kyle. I know I don't want to get I don't want to give you a big head. I know you don't you don't want to comment on that, but uh, it's just good for the audience to know that other exorcists really look to Liber Christo as the standard. Uh, you think I'm off 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 the mark saying that Liber Christo is really the gold standard of of of, of authentic healing and deliverance uh, in 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 terms of uh, using Catholic norms. Oh, it's difficult to address that, Jesse. It's really hard to comment on that. We've done uh, we've done our best to follow Catholic norms to construct yeah. something that's consistent with faith and tradition. And we, to be honest, we didn't look at other models uh, from a standpoint of we can do this better or we can do that better. Um, it's just we saw that there was great inconsistency. We didn't have the tools that we needed. We couldn't find the weapons and tools we needed. And so um, you have to you have to build your own. And that's exactly what you guys did with these two books, right? Right. All the Libra Cristo material, all of the the approach, the protocol, the methodology that is Libra Cristo that the SMD uses has been developed over uh, over 15 years and over 10,000 cases and inquiries and investigations. And so. Um, it, it's not, and it's not something that is, um, it's, we find that it's constantly being changed. It's, it's something that is workable. It's very, very effective. And so we simply stick with it and work the model. 
Kyle, here's something that I know because you're 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 a, a you know very uh, very adroit in, in uh, when it comes to angels and demons. You, Dan, Dr. Dan Schneider, and, and obviously Father Ripperger, who's the top of the food chain. Somebody just texted me and asked a question. Um, we know that angels and, and human beings were creatures of God. I'm, I just uh, they asked. Would we say that we're different species? Is that the right way to say it? That angels and humans are different species? Is that the correct way of saying it? Is that the say the correct genus? Well, those are genus and species are two different things, and okay. so we're in fact we're in fact of a different order, a different, um, got it. and so we're a different order of creature altogether. Got it. Okay, so the question is that, that they just they text me. One of our the listeners is saying. Uh, here on earth, we know there's, there's a psalm in, in the book of Hebrews that says that, you know, you have made them a little less than the angels. It's also a reference to Christ and his incarnation. Uh, so human beings are less than angels uh, in in this world. But then St. Paul also talks about in 1 Corinthians chapter 6, which was yesterday's first reading in the Novus Ordo Mass, that... Uh, that at the eschaton that we will judge the angels. So the question that the listener is asking is we, it appears we're, we're less than the angels of a lower order than the angels here on earth in the eschaton. When we enter into eternal life, please God, will we be of a higher order than the angels or just a different order or will we, or will we still be less than the angels in heaven? Okay, so let's let's look at metaphysically and theologically the use of the term less um, or and greater. And so, first of all, just from a metaphysical standpoint, we are less than the angels because we have a temporal limitation on on a portion of our existence. Okay, an angel is an angel for his total existence. The human is a uh, body-soul composite for a portion of his existence, and then he is a soul uh, primarily for the, with a glorified body for the second part of his existence. So you have a change, if you will. Um, this is a different, good example of this is in the lower orders in insects, they will go through three different, sometimes four different forms. Uh, there'll be an egg, there'll be a newt, there'll be a, a pupa, then there'll be the flying form, um, okay. butterflies, butterfly, if you will. So you yes. see that movement. Um, and so he's not perfected until the final form. This is one of the reasons that the butterflies used as a symbol of, of the resurrection yes. is the butterflies, a glorified form of that particular uh, creature. And so angels are the same form all the way through. So they're created and maintain a perfection. This is one of the reasons that when the angels fell, they they are beyond redemption because they've got a totality and a perfection of their intellect requisite with their mission. There's nothing new going to be revealed to them. They're not going to learn anything new that would would alter their decision. Uh, they knew that in that decision, they would be forever distanced from God. So angels, right from the start, like you said, and this is something that's it's just an ongoing status, uh, in, in, as, as they were created, they were created perfect, and they'll remain that way forever, like you said. Uh, and so when, the question is, uh, 
or I wonder, I wonder if it could even be, even be answered. The saint in heaven, uh, after the after the general judgment in the glory with the glorified body, will the saint in heaven uh, be of a higher order than the angel in heaven, or that's is that something that's uh, you know it's 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 uh, just metaphysically they're two different categories, so we can't even compare them. Yeah, and I think that latter part is the best observation. So, for instance, let's talk about the, the Blessed Mother, who is the most exalted of all creatures. She is queen of angels. She's queen of angels by her merit, but it doesn't make her a higher order. Ah, uh, got it. Got it. Listening to Wednesday War College, got Jess Romero, Kyle Clement. As uh, Dan Schneider calls us, the A-team. Talking about... Hey, I'm going to ask Dan next about... I mean, uh, Kyle next about uh, the theology of... Prayers for Troubled Souls. Where did that come from? How do we use it? We'll be right back. Stick around. Reveille, wake up, stand up for Jesus. Uh, Wednesday War College, Jess Romero, Kyle Clement, talking about spiritual warfare at a high level. Kyle, in, in my opinion, I think that, uh, you know, there's certain books that have been written that will be the, the gold standard until the second coming of Christ. I mean, you have, you know, books like The Imitation of Christ, uh, uh, you know, Spiritual Combat by Scopoli, Protestants Have Mere Christianity and, and, and screw tape Letters. I think... Uh, Father Ripperger's books, Dominion and Diabolical Influence, I think they're going to be the gold standard when it comes to priests in, in the field of, of, uh, of healing, deliverance, and spiritual warfare and exorcism until the second coming of Christ. I think, I think Monsignor Rossetti was spot on. I think, uh, it, I, I think uh, Father has given a, a, a contribution to the world of exorcism uh, much like any of the of the great doctors of the church have contributed uh, to their field of expertise, and uh, well, you had you had part in this because I know that he he consults with you all day long on these things. But uh, let's go, <clears throat> Kyle. Unless you want to comment on that before I start asking some particular questions about prayers. No, it's high it's uh, high praise, but I I think it's accurate for Father's volumes. Um, it's certainly they're certainly the most complete and definitive treatises. Uh, on this particular area uh, of theology, um, it's a, and it's a complete understanding. It's a compendium, if you will. It's a compilation, and then uh, Father is is so very thorough in in his research and in his uh, in his academic pursuit. Um, the thing that makes it different is this is not just theory. This is all of it is backed up with practical experience, hours and hours and hours of solemn session. Um, you know, my grandfather used to have a, a wonderful saying. He says, you cannot trust a man who speaks or who opines dressed in clothes he did not spin, warmed by wood he did not cut, <laughs> nourished by food he did not raise. He's talking about the academic for the pursuit of academics. I want to tell you that uh, father has spun his own, and <laughs> figuratively has spun his own clothes, chopped his own wood and raised his own food here. 
every single thing he writes about, he has practical experience. Um, and, and that makes a huge difference. This is not just some, uh, opinion. This is all objective, um, writing and facts that are backed up by years of experience. And that, that makes a huge difference. That makes a huge difference. Well, you could tell of Monsignor Rossetti just, uh, man, he had the, the highest accolades, uh, and praise for father's two books. So Kyle, let me ask you some questions from the audience. People are asking, they're saying, so Kyle, the prayer for troubled souls on page 30 from Father's book, Deliverance Prayers for Use by the Laity. Very beautiful prayer. It's a deprecatory prayer, I could see from the language. So who and when would somebody use this prayer? I think this is a hidden gem. I, I think this is uh, a hidden a hidden gem among these prayers. If you put it in a in a in a more vulgar term, uh, this is a suitcase bomb to the diabolical. You remember when we were worried about wow. the small nuclear devices, yeah, which could be brought in in a suitcase. So this thing is extremely extremely uh, effective when it is prayed in the following circumstances. If you have an adult child who is away from the faith, if you are in a mixed marriage, meaning you are married to someone who is not Catholic, if you are married to someone who you converted and they did not, um, if you, anytime you've got that type of, of closeness, um, that the deprecatory prayer is not, a plan B. It is often uh, a more uh, effective plan A because it's leaving it up to God how to foster and speak to the soul. Um, it is. It works best when the person you are praying for has received at least one sacrament. The theology of the sacraments is absolutely pivotal. And that is that by a sacrament, one is conformed to God, and it opens a medium of communication. It opens that soul to grace so that they are ever called to a closer union with God. This is why it is so necessary. And one of the best apologetic uh, statements that we can make and that I never hear made is when you engage in the Protestant, simply point out, you've received one sacrament, baptism. There is a set. Why don't you complete that set? Mm. You've, got, <laughs> you've got one tool. You've got one socket out of a whole set. You, you've got one cup, but there's a whole set of china that goes with it. You've received baptism, and God is calling to you, and you're, you can receive grace to a certain extent, but there's so much, there is so much more. And so what this prayer does is it really opens up um, this, uh, you're trying to facilitate this relationship. Another good thing about deprecatory prayer is there's a psychological element to this warfare. If you're praying for that child that's out of the church, that individual that's out of the church, if you're praying for a spouse that's yet to convert fully into Catholicism, have as your stock image of them that you project into the cosmos. Whenever you think of this person, think of them when they were in right relationship with God, when they were sacramentally configured to God. For the Protestant who was baptized as a 
uh, a teenager. You've got to recall that moment of emotional zeal when the Holy Spirit was present to that soul. You, you, no matter what the circumstances are, you want to, to project that into the cosmos, not the pierced, tatted up, debauched <laughs> corpus <laughs> that you last saw. So this, so this is a prayer, this patriarchal and matriarchal mom and dad, you know, or somebody, somebody an authority of another praying over the person. Uh, but this, it, it looks to me like this is more effective if this comes from a position of authority, correct? Especially patriarchal authority. That's exactly right. That is exactly right. Um, and this prayer really is is a precursor to um, to a conversion prayer. Um, and it, it always helps to use that short ejaculatory light of Christ prayer. Lord, may uh, they see themselves as you see them, and may I see them as you see them. Um, and so as let's read through this, it starts out with the petition, Lord, have mercy on us. And so the us is important. It, it means that there's a relationship between you and the soul for whom you're pl- praying, us. To the extent that there's an intimacy in that relationship and the, to the extent that you're going to have skin in the game, such as mortifications, fasting, um, some kind of tangible um, work, then our Lord is going to be present to this prayer. Lord, have mercy on us. We continue with the petition. Almighty God, our Lord, King of ages, thou who hast made everything and who transforms everything simply by thy will. So there's a lot of theology in this opening and in this mm-hmm. salutation. Yep. Almighty, Almighty God, there's a good chance that who you're praying for has other gods or that this God is not the Almighty. Hmm. Yeah. So you're, you're, you're projecting this, the image of this person into the cosmos, and then you're making this declaration. Who transforms uh, it, so everything like, simply by their will? It's just like the light of Christ prayer. Or, or you should attach the light of Christ prayer to this prayer as well, because it's really, uh, you're, you're praying for the same thing, for the unconverted person. Correct? Correct. Correct. Now let's unpack one statement here because this one, this is, this is where you get recoil on this weapon. And who transforms everything simply by thy will? You and I say that and we immediately assume transformed for the good. That is not necessarily so. Yeah. Think about this. God, when... The, the scriptural precedent is when God speaks to Moses and says, I will harden Pharaoh's heart. Right. God's will is not, not to harden Pharaoh's heart. The hardening of the heart is in response to God's will, which is salvation. That's Pharaoh's choice. Correct. Does that make yeah. sense? Yeah, absolutely. Yeah. So, so, so when you pray this prayer... You're going to, what's going to happen metaphysically is God's going to be present to this individual through grace and through the pangs of the conscience, the prick of the conscience of this individual's guardian angel and the desire for sacramental relationship. And this person may well respond 
with obstinacy, especially if they're in a homosexual marriage or they're uh, um, deeply entrenched into um, diabolical politics or other things. And so you're forcing the issue. Please understand that this prayer, all of these prayers force the issue. Mm. And there's a good possibility that they will get worse. Things will get worse before they get better. Got it. Got it. There's, so there's another form of that all, prayer. On, there's another form of that prayer, prayer for troubled souls on page 31. It seems to be a little bit longer. Uh, yeah. The same, the same thing applies to this prayer, right? It's a patriarchal prayer. Uh, it's, 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 a, it's for the unconverted person that you're praying for, especially, you know, son, daughter. Uh, obviously, like you said, you want to project an image of them uh, when they were last in a right relationship with God. You don't want to project an image the way they are right now. And uh, and then you, obviously you want to attach the light of Christ's prayer at the end of this prayer also. But what, this this another form, it's longer. What's different from this another form on page thirty one from the one on page thirty? Uh, okay. Hear the music. So, hold on to that. Hold on to that. Right. Kyle, I hear the music. You're listening to Wednesday War okay. College. Jess Romero, Kyle Clement, and Kyle is giving us some deep explanations about the particular ways to use the different prayers on Father Chad Ripper's, Ripper's book, Deliverance Prayers for Lady. We'll be right back. Stick around. Wednesday War College, Jess Romero, Kyle Clement. Uh, we're talking about all things that Catholic spiritual warfare. Kyle, the, uh, just going back to the prayer for troubled souls, somebody just uh, messaged me and asked, uh, that is this prayer also, can a, a wife pray it for her unconverted husband? I would say yes, because it's a deprecatory prayer. Uh, so what say you? Is it, can, can an unconvert uh, a wife converted wife pray this prayer for her unconverted husband that's the question that was just uh private message me so not only yes but it is the best prayer for her to pray wow uh, if if you if you look on the second page on 31 on still, still in the same prayer you're naming the individual and then it starts back using the word us again um it continues to use uh, the word us uh, by that powerful hand, thy most high and mighty arm come to our aid, help us who are made in thy image. This is relational language. And so what you're asking is that the demon be um, bound or uh, exercised, if you will, from the relationship, this communication um, and that God be present to both of you. Um, and, and it's a very, very powerful prayer um, because it does address relationship and it goes back and forth between the individual uh, petitioning and um, the relational, the other person. And so it's naming the individual um, and then there's the gratitude. Then under the protection of thy authority, may we sing in gratitude, the Lord is my salvation, whom should I fear? And it's amazing what happens when uh, there are all kinds of little moments and points of peril in a marriage, um, all kinds of points of peril. Mm -hmm. Anytime 
that point of peril is past, this is the best time to say, uh, thanks be to God. If God is on our side, who can be against us, etc." These little ejaculatory statements by the petitioner in the in the within earshot of those for whom we're praying puts to mind God right when he ought to be brought to mind, not just when things are going bad, but especially when things seem to go good. Kyle, it seems to me on page 31 that this prayer that says another form, it, it is, it's a prayer for a couple. That's the way it seems like to me as I read some of, uh, you know, Oh, Father, come and visit our home, our, our shop, our office. Uh, it, it seems like if this prayer was composed as a deprecatory prayer for those in, in a relationship called the sacrament of marriage, is that, is that the case? You bet, Jesse. This is a this is a pivotal prayer, very important prayer for those who are leading a domestic church, the men. Uh-huh. This prayer is extremely important. Uh, when you're head of the domestic church, head of a business, we had a case where a guy uh, had a shop with about 15 employees, and there was constant discord uh, among these employees. Now, this was a machine shop. This was a mechanical shop. So these were all men, blue-collar men. Um, and there was this constant discord. He began praying this prayer, and immediately, um, or within just a few days, three of his employees quit. Wow. And his, his, first, his first response was, oh, my gosh, what am I going to do now? I'm shorthanded to start with. I'm trying to hide people, and three of my best hands quit. And so uh, his wife, <laughs> who was assuring him that, yeah, they quit because you started praying this prayer, but don't stop. They got um, not only three replacement employees, but two more employees. And there was a harmony and a, an accord in the shop. There was no longer discord. There was no longer uh, fighting, missing tools, et cetera, et cetera. And so that's, that's what one can expect when you start praying this prayer is, again, things will get worse before they get better. Um, This is an excellent prayer for priests to pray over their office staff, and do not be surprised if people leave or people become upset, but you're doing exactly what you need to do is to ferret out those that are are, uh, malicious or those that are working perhaps for the other side. The demon wants people in the chancery. He wants people in diocesan offices, in parish offices. He wants them in command central. Have you ever noticed the number of women in failed marriages, the number of controlling feminists who <laughs> insist on being in chanceries? Yeah, I, I, I know exactly what you're talking about. Kyle, and so uh, when a priest... Yeah, go ahead. When a priest and a bishop starts to pray this prayer, it cleans stuff out. Hey, I I, I got I just got a private message. Somebody just asked me, can a school can a Catholic you know in a state of grace Catholic school teacher can they pray this before their children come into the classroom or their students come into the classroom? Okay, so the short answer is you can pray any prayer anytime. The question is, are you going to get retaliation? Uh, The question is, is it going to be effective? Um, And so it's not going to be as effective as it is when uh, the children are in the the classroom and it doesn't have to be prayed aloud, but a teacher has authority over the locus 
um, over the, the location, if not the individuals. Okay. The authority over the individuals is tertiary, it's, so it's not primary. But the authority over the classroom itself, in other words, a simple prayer, um, Lord, I ask that no demon be allowed to manifest or be able to express any kind of diabolical um, attitude or, or work in this room. Um, those kind of prayers are extremely effective and well within a, a teacher's purview and they won't be retaliated against. Got it. You know, Carl, I don't think it's a coincidence. I think it was 1961 or 62, the U.S. Supreme Court banned, banned praying in public school. I remember the prayer. I looked it up on the Internet. It was a simple stock prayer, you know, like, you know, Creator God, you know, help us today as we study. It was a simple generic prayer that Muslims, Jews, Protestants, and Catholics could pray. That was taken out, and literally all hell has broken loose since then, in our schools. So even a, just a simple generic prayer that was prayed in homeroom by students and the teacher, it seemed to have a calming effect prior to 1961 throughout the schools. After that was taken away, literally, uh, I mean, the, the, the wagons came off the wheels. Would you agree? Oh, yeah. I, th- I think all of that, you're exactly right, is when we take prayer out, um, any acknowledgement of God the Father, the God the Creator, when we take that out, then we're giving the demon free reign. We're, we're taking um, any restrictions off. I think another point that really needs to be hammered, especially in Catholic schools, bottom line, if you're teaching, if you're praying, and you're wanting to have a holy atmosphere, and you're wanting to suppress any diabolical activity in your classroom, but you're teaching critical race theory. Mm-hmm. If you're teaching gender, if, if you're teaching gender ideology dysfunction, if you're teaching anything that is against the Catholic faith and the incontrovertible truths, doctrine, and dogmas of the Catholic faith, then you cannot expect any peace because. You, this is a mouth that blesses and curses. This is a mouth that tells the truth and tells a falsehood. You cannot, you cannot expect your prayers to have effect because the diabolical will simply laugh at you. Yeah, it makes sense. Carl, I've got one more question to ask you. We've got about two more minutes. Prayers Against Temptation, which is on page 33, it's a two little short paragraphs. Give us uh, how to use that prayer. It's a deprecatory prayer. Who can use it? How to use it? When do they use it? All right. So listen to this is extremely, extremely uh, specific. This is a pinpoint thing because it says, Lord Jesus Christ. So we're addressing the second person of the Trinity directly and a, a specific moment in history who was conducted as a criminal to the house of Annas. Hmm. grant that I may never suffer myself to be led into sin by the temptations of the evil spirit or the evil suggestions of my fellow creatures, but that I may be securely guided by thy divine spirit in the perfect accomplishment of the holy ordinances. Amen. Listen to exactly what you're talking about is false accusation. When are we most likely, one of the times we're most likely to sin is when we perceive offense. We perceive that we are yes. falsely accused. Yes. We perceive that we are being targeted. That's, that's when we are most open to temptation, because we seek vengeance. When Jesus is in the courtyard of Annas, what happened? He's falsely accused, but to add insult to injury, Peter denies him three times. 
That's where Peter denied him. So he was praise, all alone. There's nobody, nobody going to stick up for him. Yeah, this prayer is done in for for in relation to self. This is the the prayer that you pray, not for anybody else. This is for you, for you, for your interior life, for your interiority, uh, so that you can, I guess, uh, you know, uh, have some type of self mastery over your passions. Correct. You're exactly right. And then that next paragraph: Come, Holy Spirit, and destroy in me. By thy sacred fire. Okay, that's going to be a violent destruction. Every affectation which cannot be referred to thee or please thee. He's talking about every single attachment. How are we tempted? In attachments, mostly to creatures, mostly relational. We're tempted to, um, when we are betrayed, we want vengeance. When we're offended, we want vengeance. We want warped justice. And Jesus, in the courtyard of Annas, is a very specific salutation. You're going directly to our Lord. And you need to be able to see that imagery when you are tempted to vengeance, revenge, justice, these things when you're falsely persecuted. Um, And then the subtle language of, of deserving. Every man who looks at pornography at some point in his, in that uh, movement said, Somebody doesn't understand me. I'm offended. I'm rejected. I'm not appreciated. I deserve to look at this. I am uh, I'm justified in looking at this. Got it. Well, that makes sense. Good stuff. You've been listening to Wednesday War College. Jess Romero, Kyle Clement. Uh, we're on every single Wednesdays. Get the word out. Let people know about this show. People that are interested in spiritual warfare, they say, where do I go to get answers? Right here, Wednesday War College. That you can support the show by sharing the full link at vmpr.org. You can also find us on social media at VMPR Radio and on our YouTube channel called Full Sheen Ahead. Share this show with your friends, your family members, and help evangelize everyone you love. As for us, Kyle Clement and myself, Dan Schneider, who's not here today, we are the A team. Uh, we are EOW end of watch, but never, never uh, out of service for the Lord Jesus Christ and Our Lady. We'll see you next time. Same Christ time, same Christ channel. God bless you. Keep the faith. Kyle, we'll see you next week, my friend. Thank you, Jesse.